the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The following program is sponsored by Courageous Christianity, a public nonprofit ministry equipping Christian warriors for the spiritual battlefield. We were made to be courageous. We were made to lead the way. We could be the generation that finally breaks the chains. We were made to be courageous. The intersection of our faith and the world is a battlefield strewn with debris of a fallen world that challenges even the hardiest souls. And yet, this intersection is the context of our faith. As courageous Christian warriors, we must navigate this difficult terrain in our personal walk and as we seek to bring Christ to those who are lost and struggling. We were made to be courageous and we're taking back the fight. We were made to be courageous and it starts with us tonight. As a colonel in the Marine Corps Reserves with numerous combat deployments, Richard Mendelow has walked dangerous ground in peacetime and in war. Join us as he and his guests shed light on this critical intersection on spiritual combat and on the rules of engagement for courageous Christianity. And here's your host, Richard Mendelow. Friends, welcome and thank you for joining us on Courageous Christianity. Over the last two weeks, we have addressed the question, what is Courageous Christianity? And today we're honored to have a guest on the show who exemplifies exactly what it is. Lieutenant Colonel Stu Couch, a retired Marine officer and a sitting judge. Uh, He served as a KC-130 pilot and then as a judge advocate, general prosecutor, and appellate court judge. And he is going to talk to us today. And when you hear his amazing story, you'll learn a little bit more about what we mean when we say a courageous Christian. I guess that the point is that In our courage as a Christian, we are guided not by the world. We are guided by God and our faith and our uh, seeking him. I was watching a guy walking a dog the other day, and this dog kept glancing up at his owner. Every couple seconds, he would look up at his owner or his master as they were walking along. And I thought to myself, if that's how we did it as Christians, where every couple seconds we're looking to God and God's word for us, to guide us as we go forward with with love, with the adoration that I saw in that dog's eyes, would that not be amazing? And would we all not walk a straighter walk? And so uh, Lieutenant Colonel Stu Couch exemplifies that, and we're going to talk to him about his faith and his courage in his experience with the detainees at Guantanamo Bay. And if that weren't enough, there's a movie coming out about his story this week, with Jody Foster and the fellow who plays uh, Stu Couch, and we're going to call him Stu for uh, for the show, not to be disrespectful, but because he's asked us to do so. And he is played by uh, Cumberbatch, uh, that British actor that we've all enjoyed in various parts. And we're looking forward to that conversation. So stay with us. As always, we're joined by Christy Stratton, our dedicated wingman. Hello, everyone. And of course, let's say good morning to Colonel Couch. Stu, good morning. 
Good morning. Good morning, Rich and Christy, and, and thank you for having me on your show. It's our pleasure, and we've said we're not going to call you judge, and we're not going to call you colonel. We're just going to call you Stu, and that's okay, right? That's absolutely great. That's what you've known me as for many, many years now. And we're going to get to that because June 1987, I'm not a particularly organized person, and Christy's job is to keep everything pointed in one direction, but I actually have a letter that Stu sent me in June of 1987 when I was at Officer Candidate School, and we go back even further than that. So either way, uh, Judge, Colonel, Couch, Stu, however we say it, we're looking forward to a wonderful discussion. But before we begin, I must remind you that as a colonel still serving in the Marine Corps Reserve, I have to preface my comments by saying that these are my personal views and they do not necessarily represent the Department of Defense or the Department of the Navy, and I believe uh, Colonel Couch, Stu, has a disclaimer as well. As well as I'm a, I'm a sitting appellate immigration judge uh, with the uh, United States Department of Justice, so my comments are here, my personal comments. They do not reflect those beliefs or policies of the Department of Justice, nor will they indicate how myself or another judge would rule in a particular case. So enough, enough legalese uh, to get <laughs> Thank started. Thank you, sir. <laughs> Uh, folks, uh, please pray with us and then we'll dive into the show. Heavenly Father, you go with us everywhere we go. There is no time when we are alone and you have said to act justly, to love mercy and to walk humbly. Help us, Father, to do this in everything from the small conversations around our kitchen tables to the large and important conversations which will determine the course of our nation. And from every small kindness to the decisive moments of our lives when we show our faith to the world by our deeds, the things we do and the things we refuse to do. Dear Lord, we thank you for this day and the chance we have to speak in your presence. We thank you for our courageous brother, Stu, and we thank you for the courageous hearts who are hearing our prayers and our conversation. May everything we do glorify your holy name. In Jesus we pray. Amen. Amen. So, friend, Stu and I went to college together, North Carolina. I think I met him for the first time in the fall of 1984, and we've stayed in close touch since, and I'm just so proud of his journey, which has been shaped nonstop by his faith. You want to hear about that letter that uh, he sent me? I do. I'm I'm awaiting. Uh, I, I, I use my handwriting. Uh, I've seen the copy that you have, and my handwriting was far better then than it is now. <laughs> well, here's the thing. He's just been commissioned as a second lieutenant in the United States Marine Corps. He's at the basic school. He's very busy, and yet he takes the time to write a brother who's going through officer candidate school. And I was in the second week, <laughs> and by the way, um, I was having a rough time of it because people. Uh, you know, OCS is meant to get out of people everything that it can. And so here I get this letter from Stu, which, by the way, came after a package that I got from an old girlfriend, which had a giant Toblerone bar in it, and they made me eat the entire Toblerone bar right then and there. <laughs> and then, As well they should. As well they should. And then here was this uh, letter from Stu Couch, and he spoke to an Eleanor Roosevelt quote which said, nobody can make you feel inferior without your permission. And uh, that quote has been with me my entire life. So if I was 21 then, and here I am, much older, and that's as far as we'll go with that, (laughs) 
that quote has been with me. And, and what that says to me is that kindness goes a long way. You never know how far reaching and our words and our actions just go so far and you never know how far reaching. So Stu, thank you for that. You've been with me all these years. Well, uh, it was absolutely my, my pleasure. And, and I thank you uh, for being so faithful in our, in our friendship and, uh, and so faithful in your Christian walk. Um, that uh, you, you've been an example to me too, my brother. Thank you so much. Would you give us a Reader's Digest understanding of your participation in Guantanamo and the movie that's coming out about it? Uh, sure. Um, so, uh, as, um, as Rich alluded to, I, I served on active duty in the Marine Corps. Um, after college, I uh, attended flight school and uh, became a KC-130 pilot out of Cherry Point, North Carolina, um, and then took sort of a, a little bit of a detour career-wise. Um, I was enrolled in the law education program of the Marine Corps, which um, basically takes officers who um, are um, um, on active duty to then return to law school and come back out as judge advocates. And back then, Probably a third or perhaps a quarter of our lawyers uh, went through this program. Uh, so I went to law school and uh, became a uh, Marine judge advocate um, about a year after, a year and a half after uh, graduating from law school. I was involved in the prosecution involving a collision of a EA-6B uh, Prowler jet with a Italian ski gondola complex. In fact, it was... Um, it was 23 years ago today uh, when that incident occurred, and that kind of put my uh, put my legal career on a fast track um, because it was a very high profile case. And um, so I throw that out. Uh, that was one of the, having served on on the trial team for that case uh, was one of the reasons I was later selected to be uh, one of the first round of prosecutors um, involving prosecution at military commission for select detainees held at Guantanamo Bay. The other reason I threw out my experience as a, uh, as a lawyer, I mean, so I'm sorry, as a pilot, is because um, the Marine uh, C-130 community is a rather small collection of, of pilots, and um, as, a, as a terrible fate may have it, uh, one of my squadron mates was the um, first officer for Flight 175, United 175, that was the second plane to be flown into the World Trade Center on the morning of 9-11, 2001. Mm-hmm. And so when I was selected uh, to be one of the, the first round of prosecutors, um, uh, and you know, the movie makes makes a point of this, um, obviously I had um, um, even even along with the the burden of, of an American trying to seek justice for uh, fellow Americans that were killed on 9-11, also had this this tangential personal uh, connection to uh, one of the the key players, uh, as it was in the in that terrible uh, crime that was committed that day. Um, so that that kind of uh, is a um, the military commissions. Um, it was the first time that we've used military commissions uh, for the prosecution of violations of the uh, law of armed conflict, uh, also known as the law of war, uh, since World War II. Uh, we did a lot of military commissions 
uh, during World War II, and the president's military order signed by President Bush in November of 2001 uh, is fairly verbatim of the one signed by uh, President uh, Roosevelt uh, in the prosecution of um, Nazi saboteurs that came ashore in the United States um, in, um, in the spring of 1942. And so these are, these are prosecutions under, at that time under the president's authority as the commander-in-chief. Um, they were, we were not prosecutions at a court-martial, which is pursuant to uh, the Uniform Code of Military Justice, which is a, a law set by Congress. They were not prosecutions under Article Three of the United States Constitution, which you find in federal courts. So it's a, it's a very narrow type of prosecution used very rarely. Um, but but the president, uh, President Bush, made the decision shortly after 9-11 that that would be how we would seek justice uh, for these violations of the law of armed conflict, which uh, we do perceive the attacks of 9-11 as, as being such. And that's uh, that's an amazing place to leave it as we work toward our first break. We're talking to Lieutenant Colonel Stu Couch, who participated as a prosecutor in the Guantanamo Bay hearings. And there's a book that I've been reading called Rough Justice at Guantanamo Bay. And I've learned a lot about a good friend that I've known for many years, but still learned some things about him. And we're going to talk about that when we come back. Please stay with us. We overcome. Take every chain that kept us slaves and throw them off. We're not waiting for Hello, everyone. This is Christy Stratton. As you may know, I'm host Richard Mindelow's wingman. You might wonder what a wingman is. Here on Courageous Christianity, it means I'm here to support the host of the show in our efforts to accomplish our mission. That mission is to equip Christian warriors for the spiritual battlefield, and we need your help to do that. Your tax-deductible support is what keeps us on the air and sustains our ongoing efforts. Courageous Christianity is a public nonprofit ministry. If you'd like to support our mission and this ministry, you can do so by texting any amount to 281-800-4940. That's 281-800-4940. And for a donation of $25 or more, we will send you a signed copy of Richard's book, Right Makes Might, 40 Days to Courageous Christianity. You will absolutely love this devotional, and it will help you to be more equipped in your walk as a courageous Christian. If texting isn't a fit, you can also donate by going to CourageousChristianity.today. So text to donate to 281-800-4940 or go to CourageousChristianity.today. Friends, thank you. We are so very grateful for your listenership and for your support. Friends, welcome back. I'm Richard Mendelow, and you're listening to Courageous Christianity with Richard Mendelow, and that's me. And we have a special guest on the show with us today, Colonel Stu Couch, a retired Marine officer who participated in the Guantanamo Bay hearings and prosecutions as a Marine Judge Advocate General. And as we went to break, we were talking about the book about Guantanamo Bay, and it's called, uh, help me get it right, Stu Terror Courts, Rough Justice at Guantanamo Bay. That's right. And so Stu was telling us about his participation and how it came about as part of his legal career, which began as an aviator. And 
in just another one of life's uh, connections, I also knew a friend who was a C-130 pilot. Uh, I knew him from United, and he was killed in Flight uh, 175. And that was uh, part of the uh, background to Stu's participation. And so you were saying that you are now acting under a small portion of law uh, with regard to the military justice system signed in, uh, by President Bush. And so you are going down to Guantanamo Bay now to begin the prosecution. Is that correct? That's correct. So my, my, uh, my role uh, in the military commissions began uh, when I checked into the office in um, August of 2003. By the time I arrived, uh, there were some other prosecutors, uh, senior prosecutors, who had been working on cases uh, and uh, for the previous, say, eight or nine months before I got there. Um, I had a, a high-profile case at Camp Lejeune uh, to wrap up. And um, the, at that time, our, our, the cases were broken down by types of cases. And so the, the types of cases that I was um, put in charge of were what we called planners and financiers. And these were individuals that um, we believed uh, were involved in, in planning and financing terrorist acts. And one of those in particular was Mohamdou Al-Swahi. Uh, he's a native of uh, Mauritania, uh, which is a country in northwest Africa. And that's the title of the movie uh, that will be coming out uh, in the next week, um, The Mauritanian. Um, Slahi was um, believed to have been a part of the, um, uh, the planning of uh, activities of, uh, of al-Qaeda, uh, uh, terrorist acts uh, against um, the United States and others. Um, really, the claim to fame, if you will, of, of Slahi was that an individual, uh, Ramsey bin al-Sheed, uh, who was what I consider the right-hand man of, uh, of Khalid Sheikh Mohammed, who was the planner for 9-11. Ramsey bin al-Sheed claimed that um, they were encouraged and uh, assisted in going to training himself and uh, two of the other hijackers um, involved uh, on the morning of 9-11. Uh, to go to training in Afghanistan, and that's why he uh, helped advise them and encourage them. Um, and, they, and actually, uh, Ramsey bin al-Rashid spent one night at the apartment of Slahi. And so this kind of brought full circle for me. Uh, you know, here I was um, charged with, with uh, um, developing charges for a, a prosecution against an individual who may have had a very tangential um impact uh, on the death of a friend of mine, uh, Michael Horrocks, the, um, the co-pilot or the first officer of uh, United 175. And so that, you know, that's, that's yeah, it's... all that to say. I had a, you know, I had the, the typical burdens of a, of a military prosecutor uh, with developing your case, uh, marshalling the evidence and, um, and getting prepared for trial. Um, I also had the, um, what I considered to be the awesome responsibility of, uh, of seeking justice for the close to 3,000 Americans that were murdered on the morning of 9-11. And, uh, and this was, you know, part and parcel to this was the fact that I had a connection to one of the, 
the airline pilots uh, who were murdered uh, to take control of their aircraft uh, to fly into the World Trade Center. You know what occurs to me is your responsibility was gargantuan, and uh, the story so huge and important that they made a movie about it. But God had been shaping that story for quite a long time, as he does with each of us. And so I saw an advanced screening uh, of the movie, and uh, it's it's really a brilliant movie, and uh, at the same time very painful to me uh, as a Christian and as an American. Uh, and so to know that you were embroiled in that uh, so personally is uh, actually painful to my heart. And uh, after the movie, I texted Stu and I said, you know, uh, this is very painful uh, to watch. And at the same time, I'm proud of you. I guess the the point that I'm wanting to make is that your entire life leading up to that point, by your faith, which grew and was shaped by uh, some amazing events, and you can read about those events in the book. Um, but basically, like many of our Christian journeys, it was not a straight line, and it didn't begin necessarily... Uh, Stu's laughing because his line might be more crooked than most. And um, uh, yeah. I, I don't know. I take that back. That wasn't fair. All of our lines are crooked, and... And and I guess, sorry, the point that I want to make, uh, and I can make more quickly, is whereas Stu's Christian journey brought him to that amazing intersection of faith and the secular world, which is mammoth enough to be shown on the big screen, each of us has a journey, and each day it brings us to the intersection of our faith and the secular world, and you're going to hear... The, the decisions that Stu had to make and the life-altering uh, decisions that had professional ramifications and over which he must have agonized. And whereas he had time to deliberate and the deliberation was uh, appropriate to the, the huge decision, many of us just have these tiny little decisions that we make every day that come from our faith. So, Stu, I guess... What I'd like to ask you is for our listeners who have heard about the intersection of faith and the secular world for a long time, when did you start feeling that your faith was being challenged by your participation in these courts? Um, yeah, that, uh, boy, as all of them, that's a good question. Um, I would say from uh, from very early on in my um in my time at, at the Office of Military Commissions, my first trip to Guantanamo was in October of 2003. And um, that was just basically for me to go down and to check out, you know, this sort of satellite office that we had um, to become familiarized with the base uh, and also to uh, to observe the uh, nature and extent of the uh, of of the detention facility there um, that were holding uh, at that time um, over 700 uh, detainees. Um, I had prearranged to observe uh, a, an interrogation of one of the detainees that I was assigned to prosecute, not Slahi, uh, but another one. Um, and I had sized up this other individual 
uh, as, uh, as very cooperative. And he had been cooperative uh, with the FBI and with some other of our criminal investigators for some time. Um, uh, he was involved uh, with an individual uh, who um, is believed to have been the mastermind behind the attack against USS Cole uh, in, um, in uh, um, the port of Aden in Yemen. And so I also wanted to size this guy up to see uh, what kind of witness he would make um, at, a, at a trial against a fellow detainee, because I, I, I perceived him as a, as a potential uh, a, a witness that we could arrive at a plea agreement with. So I was, uh, I was waiting to watch this interview of this individual when I heard um, this really heavy metal, heavy metal music coming out of one of the interrogation rooms. And so I walked out into the hallway to, to, to go down to get, I just thought it was some guards cranking up the music on a boombox or something and not realizing that we were getting ready to do work in a, in a nearby um, booth. And, uh, and basically what I stumbled on was um, this room uh, that was dark with the exception of a strobe light. Um, they had two large banks of speakers blaring out this heavy metal music. Um, and I saw a detainee who was um, blindfolded and shackled uh, hands to his feet, seated on the, on the floor, and he was rocking back and forth. I could see his lips moving inside. Uh, perceived that he was praying uh and these two individuals that did not look they were not you know wearing uniforms and and their grooming standards were were relaxed and so i perceived that they were probably um civilians and when i you know when i I said you know what's going on here and they were just basically you know move along and close the door in my face and the escort that was with me said i said did you see that and he said, yeah, he was an Air Force captain. He goes, yeah, he goes, that's approved. And I immediately had a flashback to uh, an experience, and this is why I threw out you know, that I, I was a pilot, um, that I'd gone to steer school. Uh, and this is a school uh, that the military uses to um, indoctrinate you know, our air crew in case they're ever taken captive by the enemy. And, uh, you know, I, I went through it the week long, uh, but part of it is that you spend time in a mock POW camp uh, and you're interrogated. And what I saw that, that day in Guantanamo, I perceived to be right out of the playbook of what, uh, of what went on at Sears School. And so I immediately knew that uh, if that was how our evidence was being uh, obtained was through interrogations involving that treatment, that... In my judgment, it was definitely a violation of the law because it's a violation of the United Nations Convention Against Torture, which we are true. You know, we signed that treaty. And I can see the convention. Yeah, I'm, uniform I'm sorry. Military justice. And I can see that and, as being uh, stressful. Yeah, I've, I've, you know, resolved that that was that was uh, not what I expected as a Christian uh, right. for the treatment of another human being. Right. Yeah, I can see that as being extremely painful. Um we got a lot to talk about when we come back. Uh, I attended Sears School, and uh, I can't imagine how, how that felt to see that. And friends, when we come back, we're going to continue our discussion with Colonel Stu Couch, an amazing American hero and Christian. Stay with us. Travel, 
So here's this week, So What Are We Reading? Friends, this excerpt comes from a speech Lieutenant Colonel Couch gave in Germany where he received an award for his work and his righteousness and his pursuit of justice in the Guantanamo Bay hearings. And here is uh, an excerpt from his speech. The Judeo-Christian ethic which recognizes the dignity of all people is a consistent theme that runs throughout American jurisprudence and political thought and is readily apparent in our Declaration of Independence, our Constitution, and the Bill of Rights. It is also expressed in the Universal Declaration of Human Rights beginning with Article 1, All human beings are born free and equal in dignity and rights. They are endowed with reason and conscience and should act towards one another in the spirit of brotherhood. Respect for inherent human dignity is the ideal that led William Wilberforce to begin the movement to abolish slavery in Europe in the late 18th century, a movement that ultimately spread to America. Respect for inherent human dignity was the guiding principle that led the Reverend Martin Luther King Jr. to inspire the civil rights movement in America. Respect for inherent human dignity is the common denominator of a long and contentious debate over legalized abortion in America. And on a much smaller level, it was the recognition of inherent human dignity as a basic tenet of my own Christian faith in the context of the facts of law I found in the Slahi case that led me to the difficult decision I made not to participate in the prosecution. Friends, if you want to share your thoughts about what you're reading, uh, whether books or other things, let us know at our Facebook page by searching at Courageous Christianity or find us on Instagram at Courageous Christianity. To find out more about Courageous Christianity, go to CourageousChristianity.today. As always, if you want to reach us personally, you can email us at CourageousChristianity at gmail.com. Friends, you're listening to Courageous Christianity, and joining us by phone is Lieutenant Colonel Retired Stu Couch, long friend of mine from university and the Marine Corps, who had an amazing career as a Marine aviator and then a judge advocate general, and we're talking about his participation in the hearings from Guantanamo Bay and how his faith was eventually challenged by what he saw and determined was an injustice. And the basis of that determination was his faith. Tell us a little more about that, Stu. Well, um, you know, as I've already kind of gone over, um, you can see that there were a few things competing. Um, you know, my job was to, to obtain, it was to marshal all of the evidence that we have and to put it together in charges and then to ultimately present it at trial. The problem is... Um, I became aware of the way some of these interrogations were being conducted uh, that in, involved uh, cruel and, um, in some instances, uh, torturous conduct. So I had to reconcile, you know, my, you know, in using my, my legal judgment as to what effect this this cruel treatment was going to have on on the uh, evidence on these cases I was assigned to prosecute. Yeah, you know, um, you, we've all watched the uh, show 24 and all of these other shows where you torture the guy till he gives up the secret for the nuclear bomb. And and uh, for people who've never been in a situation like this, where you are face to face with uh, humanity, 
it is uh, easy to have all these different opinions, but uh, when you see it firsthand, uh, as Colonel Couch did, and then you also have to make decisions because nothing you obtain in this way is going to be worthwhile. Uh, Christy, um, what do you think? You know, what came to mind and I jotted down uh, is this, we talk a lot about a battleground, and I put personal slash professional battleground. And while, you know, Stu, this is, Wow, I mean, like, I mean, a story that is hard to even put into words, right, right, on that level. But those of us walking on a daily basis and standing for our faith, that's our battleground, too. So it may be, you know, a case at Guantanamo Bay, but it also could be just, yeah, you know, you so know. how do you do it? How do you find that strength? How do you, I mean, walking, you know, stating your faith right. in the midst of this huge thing, you know, what would you tell someone uh, on their daily walk? Well, I would say that you, we just like, uh, you know, in the Marine Corps, when, when we send Marines into battle, we don't send them into battle uh, unprepared or unarmed. We are prepared as Christians to encounter, you know, everything that we deal with in life. We are prepared and we are equipped. We are, you know, equipped by Scripture. Um, that is a brilliant and, point. You know, the scripture's not going to tell you, Stu, you know, you can't prosecute somebody who's been tortured. But that scripture did tell me this is what God expects of those who, who believe in him. You know, God created us in his image. And therefore, you know, we have that obligation to look at all human beings, regardless of what they believe as those creations of God and to treat them such. And so, you know, and the Bible is replete in the Old Testament and in the New Testament with that basic tenet of human dignity. Yeah, you know, it's amazing. Um, you know, you we, have, we, are, we have the equipment of the Holy Spirit. Yeah. You know? and, uh, and in those times when we're fearful or we don't understand, you know, the Holy Spirit is there as our helper and, and to give us that guidance. And so... You know, if, if there's any uh, takeaway um, for, for someone who might not find themselves involved in, in um, a tough legal battle, uh, as this was, um, but for all Christians, we are equipped. We are more than equipped. We are more than conquerors. And that's absolutely um, a great point. to encountering these difficult things. In right. Life. And it's a great point because Scripture is not just uh, this thing that we read on Sundays and it's on the left hand and then the lives that we live are on the right hand and never those two hands come together. And so if you have a Scripture, Luke chapter 6, verses 27 through 36, but to you who are listening, I say, love your enemies, do good to those who hate you, bless those who curse you, pray for those who mistreat you. And so we can't read something like that and then decide in our own human understanding that this situation uh, merits bitterness or anger or uh, revenge, because another scripture says, uh, revenge is mine, saith the Lord. So when you say that we are equipped, you make such a brilliant point, but we have to connect our training, our reading with our actions. You know, the other thing it brings to mind is, I mean, obviously we're in courageous Christianity, but the that scripture gives us courage to stand our ground in that battle battlefield. It gives us strength. 
Well, yeah, and it's actually, we've talked a lot on the show about Jesus being matter of fact. And so if you're walking in the Word, you don't have to worry about feelings because the, the world is going to tell you it's all about feelings, but it's not. And so we come to these intersections of faith in the secular world, a place, for example, in Colonel Couch's uh, experience where he had to stand firm. And Joshua tells us, do not be frightened, do not be afraid, do not be discouraged, for the Lord your God goes with you wherever you go, Joshua chapter not, uh, 1, verse 9. And so as we apply these things, I think you're right. We are equipped. The question is, are we going to do it? And as we put on the full armor of God from Ephesians chapter 6 and come to stand at these places, our faith is our salvation. And if we're standing firmly uh, with our feet planted in Scripture, then we don't have to have fear uh, about what's yeah, right. You know, but it doesn't you know, make Rich, it easier, I think right? You'll, you'll appreciate this as a, as a pilot. You know, uh, pilots have this thing called an attitude gyro, and it's a it, it's basically a window on the world. And when you're flying instruments, um, they teach you in flight training to to rely upon that instrument to tell you where the horizon is. And and if you're in a turn or a or a climb or a dive, right. that it's a glance at that attitude gyro to tell you where you are in terms of the world. And you know, I, I, for me, the person of Jesus Christ is that attitude gyro. And if if I'm if I'm looking at him and gazing at him, uh, and he's I have him in my life, he's going to help me figure out where I am in re- relation to the world. And it's like the psalm says, you know, we lean not on our own understanding. Um, we yeah. we, we got to lean on Jesus. We have to have Jesus be that attitude gyro. Speaking of scripture, to conform our attitude to His will. Speaking of scripture, right. that's my memory verse for the for the daily, not on your own understanding, but um, but in all ways. Let's see if I. <laughs> and we talk to we talk to listeners all the time about memorizing scripture. Obviously, mind not completely Proverbs memorized. Proverbs chapter just, three, verse five and six. Yeah. Lean not on your own understanding, but submit to the Lord in every way, and He will make your path straight. There's another thing that we have in flying that I think is very relevant, Stu. We have what we call SOP, which is short for Standard Operating Procedure. And everybody can have a technique about how they do this or that or the next thing, but SOPs override everything. And the people who own the airplanes say, this is how you're going to operate this airplane. And we have a a Mm -hmm. saying, which is, the rules are written in blood, meaning... These rules didn't pop out of thin air. They popped up because somebody did something different than the rules, and it hazarded safety, and maybe there was an accident. So we have SOP, and SOP is like Scripture. You don't have a choice about it. And if you have that attitude gyro, which is Jesus, and that tells you which way is up and which way is down, and by the way, up points to heaven and down points to hell, and if you have that SOP, which is Scripture, then... That SOP guides you. And if it says love your enemies, uh, then guess what? It's not up to you to decide which enemies are enemies and which ones you're going to love. And speaking of which, there's an Abraham Lincoln quote that I absolutely love, where he was criticized for not attacking his political enemies. And he says, do I not destroy my enemies when I make them my friends? And that is how counterinsurgency works, and that is what courageous Christianity is all about. Because if you forfeit the high moral ground, then nothing you say after that can matter. For example, 
people who say they care so deeply about the sanctity of human life, and then they practice abortion, bring into question whether or not they actually care about the sanctity of human life. You can't have it both ways. And what the Bible does by our uh, submitted obedience to the Bible is it creates alignment. And that alignment is from heaven through us into the world and everything we do. Does that make sense? Absolutely. Hey, well, you know, Rich, uh, and this is one point that I've, I've drew some fire uh, at one event over the years when I've given speech about this, my experience, and that is, you know, with this, this idea of inherent human dignity, and that is an obligation that we have from God, you know, if you're going to line up on the side of the ball of the pro-life team uh, in the abortion debate, when you get to the the issue of treatment of detainees that, that we've captured and how are we going to treat them and how are we going to interrogate them, you you got to be consistent with it. You got to wear that same that same yeah. You're already forfeited the high moral human ground. dignity jersey to the game there. And, right. And I feel very strongly about that because God doesn't parse it out. He doesn't say you know you got to have he, he he expects us to to treat everyone with human dignity so long as if they don't commit crime, yeah, you know, he doesn't. He doesn't put an asterisk on it. Absolutely, you and can't so, switch your your you know, uniform. Our, our belief system has to inform what we do, what we what we get at church, what we get out of scripture has to inform our daily lives and how we live those daily lives. Yeah, uh, we talked uh, last week or the week before. The week before, actually, about how Marines put on a uniform and everybody knows us by our uniform. And what we have to remember is that uh, Christianity leverages our deeds and our actions. And it's by our deeds and our actions that we actually show people the uniform of Christ. And now as we wear the uniform of Christ, everything else has to be in alignment. Because as Stu just pointed out, you can't change your football jersey in the middle of the game. So you play on one side or the other. You line up on uh, either on the offense or the defense. And that's the end of that story. And people will know you by your uniform and the actions that come from that. So we're going to continue talking about that. Stay with us. Friends, it's Richard, host of Courageous Christianity. In addition to donations, sponsorships also help to keep us on the air and sustain our ongoing efforts. We'd love for you to join us in this mission. If you own a Christian business or an entrepreneur or it's just on your heart to support our efforts, sponsorship opportunities are available. You'll have the chance to have your message heard during each show and much more. If you want to join us in our mission to equip Christian warriors for the spiritual battlefield and support us with your sponsorship, call 281-656-1833 or email us at CourageousChristianity at gmail.com. Contact us to apply as there are some requirements. Please call 281-656-1833 or email us at CourageousChristianity at gmail.com. We're grateful for your listenership and for your support. Friends, you're back with Richard Mendelo and Courageous Christianity. We're talking to Judge Stu Couch, Lieutenant Colonel retired United States Marine aviator, judge advocate general. My loyal wingman, Christy Stratton, is with us. And we've been talking about uh, Stu Couch's experience as a prosecutor in the Guantanamo Bay 
uh, military uh, tribunals. And uh, the movie that's come out about it, uh, it's coming out this week, uh, February 19th, I believe, is the release date. And it's a brilliant movie with Jodie Foster. And uh, I just forgot Mr. Cumberbatch's first name. Benedict. Benedict Cumberbatch. And it, it is a brilliant movie. And yeah. it is, it's a brilliant movie, and it's very painful to watch uh, because of the truth of it and the uh, honesty of it. And uh, Benedict Cumberbatch is not as good looking as Stu. And um, <laughs> oh, you're supposed to tell the truth, Rich. Okay. <laughs> Benedict Cumberbatch is also a nice gentleman. And <laughs> so. Uh, Stu, uh, it's an amazing journey, and you've told us about how eventually what you saw at Gitmo just brought you into such conflict with your faith, and where you said no as a Christian. And there's a line in the movie which I can't say, I guess, uh, but uh, you actually, I guess I can say this little part of it, where you say, I can't because I'm a Christian. And it's such a powerful line, friends, because, you know, there's what we do and there's also what we refuse to do. Mm, That's huge. And it is huge because the scripture uh, and Jesus gives us our rules of engagement and we got to walk that out in the world. Uh, So, Stu, that was just an amazing line. You know, it's a... Yeah, I mean, that's kind of how it went down. Um, After I had uh, seen all the evidence, uh, with Slahi and about his treatment and, and how we interrogated him, um, I ultimately came to a decision point, and, uh, and that was uh, what to do about it. Um, and legally, I believe that we uh, had, had committed acts of torture against this individual to get information out of him. Ethically, I felt like I had the obligation to share what I had determined uh, with a lawyer should he receive one in the future. Um, and, but then it was like, what to do about it? And, and that's where um, my, my faith uh, stepped in and provided that answer. And it, um, it's depicted in the movie. And, and, um, but having experienced, experienced it in real life, uh, I was at a, an Anglican church service where we had the baptism of a young child. And if any of you have been Episcopalians or Anglicans, you know that uh, at that, at that service, you know, everybody in the congregation stands up and uh, in a question and answer format kind of repeats the tenets of the Christian faith. And in the last one of those, you know, will you um, will you seek uh, justice and will you respect the inherent human dignity of every human being? And and the response wow. is, I will, with God's help. And, and that moment, that morning that I heard that while I was in the midst of this thing at work, uh, trying to to figure out what to do about Slahi's case, um, God God showed up and gave me the answer, and the answer was, you refused to prosecute him. And so when I presented that to the chief prosecutor, um, he didn't take it very well. Um, but the point I made was that, you know, legally we had tortured him. Ethically, I had an obligation to share what I knew uh, with a lawyer in the future. And that thirdly, uh, as a Christian, um, that I... Um, I could not could not uh, involve myself any further in, in this guy's prosecution. You know, what comes to mind and, as you uh, say that, uh, that's so, so important, is morals are what's right and wrong. Ethics are the work rules we use as we apply those morals. 
And uh, you mentioned that uh, morally and ethically you couldn't do it. And um, Texas has a a piece of law called the Stand Your Ground Law. And in regard to carrying a concealed weapon, the Stand Your Ground Law says that if you are legally where you are and somebody tries to use deadly force to move you, you can employ deadly force to defend yourself. And so as I hear you speak about the fact that your morals come from Scripture and your ethics said that you were legally where you were supposed to be, which is that you cannot do this and uh, still be morally correct, you then made a decision to stand your ground. So it's not that we just stand our ground as a matter of obstinacy. We stand our ground in the accountability of our faith, which is... Scripture and it, uh, Jesus. Well, let, let me sum up there. Um, my experience has been the law is going to tell you what you what you should do, but your you know our morals are going to tell us. Uh, well, the law is going to tell you what you what you can and can't do, but your morals are going to tell you what you should do. And so, what I'm arguing is that for the Christian, uh, it's got to inform our actions, our Christian belief, Scripture, our faith has got to inform what we do. And and ultimately, that's that's where it led me. And, um, you know, th- anything I did, um, God gets the credit for, for what I did, um, not me, because human being me uh, would probably not have agreed to that. But uh, informed by my faith, I knew what I had to do. And, 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 I, and I take great comfort in, in the decision that I make. Yeah, that's fantastic. You know, uh, I, I just have to say, Stu, I wanted to say the movie just at that point, that crescendo to that point, very empowering. And I really hope people that hear about the show go go watch it because, yes, it is. It's, it's hard to see. Uh, but getting to that point, I think it's very empowering. So, th- you know, I and I just want to say just what an uh, empowering and influential um, effect it had on me. I hope others get the chance to see it. It's called the Mauritanian, correct? Yep, that's it. Thank you, Christy. Mm-hmm. I appreciate the kind words. Yeah. Uh, well, you know, I've told you several times how, how proud I am of you, and what you're hearing, folks, is uh, just the truth. The truth that uh, we are Christians and our conduct reflects on our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, and He has told us what is good. And as you know, in every uh, show, we have a moment of truth where we look at Scripture, which informs our discussion, and we do this to remind ourselves that God's Word is our first refuge, that it's always relevant, and that it never fails. And I chose this Scripture because it speaks to Colonel Couch and the way he has blessed us by standing firm and giving us that example. Isaiah chapter 61, verse 8. And it says, for I, the Lord, love justice. And so, Colonel Couch, what an honor to have you on the show as a brother Marine, as a jurist, and as my longtime friend. And uh, you honor all of us. And uh, that brings about another thought, Isaiah chapter 61, verse 3. They will be called oaks of righteousness, a planting of the Lord for the display of his splendor. 
So, friends, I would like to thank uh, Colonel Couch for joining us, and I would like to thank him for his steadfast determination in the face of adversity, for his patriotism, and for the honor his courageous faith bestows on our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And don't think I'm going to miss our quote of the day. I actually have a quote from Colonel Couch. (laughs) And this is also from his speech that he gave in Germany. He said this, To be sure, the appropriate treatment of fellow human beings should be a politically nonpartisan issue. And my hope is that our nation's collective deliberations over it will transcend the usual acrimony of political discourse. Could anything be more relevant in this day and age? Justice is not man's natural state since his fall. In fact, this world is a place of injustice and suffering. Solomon put it like this in Ecclesiastes chapter 8, verse 14, There is something else meaningless that occurs on earth, the righteous who get what the wicked deserve and the wicked who get what the righteous deserve. But we know that our God is faithful and we who are his planting must stand firm for the display of his splendor. As to that which is evil, have nothing to do with it. Don't support it with your time, your words, or your money. You can't make friends with evil. You can't appease evil. What you do is read scripture, look to Jesus like that little dog looks to his master, ask him to guide you on a straight journey. Don't accommodate evil, but rather seek to support that which is good. And that is courageous Christianity. So, Colonel, want to thank you uh, sincerely for uh, your actions in the face of adversity. And friends, thank you for joining Christy and me today. We hope you'll join us each and every week here on 100.7 KKHT, The Word, at kkht.com, or on CourageousChristianity.today, where you can listen to previous episodes by podcast. We're honored to walk with you in Christ. Christy, what can you tell us? I just want to say thanks, um, Stu, for being with us. Yeah, I've called Well, you. thank you so much for having me on the show, and and thank you for what you do um, to uh, proclaim the Word. Well, it all glory be to God. Right? Amen. Amen. Uh, from whom much is given, much is demanded, and from whom much is entrusted, even more will be asked. And that is the amazing responsibility and the amazing opportunity that we have in Jesus. Friends, God bless and simplify.